down the sector, supreme neck protector. Better want him, kid, Mr. Mepsa. Falling pop, about to blow his lid from the pressure. Too hot for TV, for sheezy, too many wanna be. Yo, 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 people. Welcome to another episode, the 50th episode of Echoes from the Goddamn Void. Man, I hope um, everyone's having a, a cool time. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of running around here, you know. Um, oh, I went to a, 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 a preview screening of the new um, live-action Aladdin film the other day. And um, so after the film, like, there was this guy, the, like, the hype man, let's say, and he came in and he's like, yo, I've got a surprise for everyone. Come, follow me, follow me. So, it, like, it led everyone out into the kind of garden bit in Leicester Square. And there was a big um, lamp. So, there's a big lamp. And at first, it just looked like it was photo opportunities. And people would go up to the lamp and it would say something. Kind of a line from the film. And so, I was a bit like, ugh. This is rubbish. But then I noticed the lines were were changed all the time. You know, it, it would be from the film and then there would be something else said. Like a name or, oh, I like the, your jacket and describe the jacket and stuff like that. So I'm just like, obviously Will Smith is in the goddamn lamp. But for some reason, it seems the screen was full of morons. Because no one picked up on the shit. And, yeah, so then, um, eventually, it lamp opens. Will Smith comes out and everyone is losing their minds. And there are guys in front of me, like, Will, Will. Take a picture with me, Will. Take a picture with me. And he's not even posing for a picture with them. But they're like like turning around and trying to take these selfies with Will Smith in the background. And it was just... Oh, man, it made me feel so sad. Made me feel so sad because I'm just like, what are you people doing? Why are you... Begging for a picture with someone. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's just it's just weird, right? I find it very weird. Um, but anyway, oh, you know, one thing that I thought was really nice. So I was speaking to a friend, um, and she was saying that she'd been having a tough week, but that she laughed so hard at last week's episode and I was just like you know what that's always just such a nice thing to hear and um yeah it's just further proof that I am hilarious I just need to fucking write my jokes for New York which is killing me I just need to find it's so hard finding time man I'm just like running around right now. It's crazy. But um you know, I'm back on the dating websites and all of that. 
But um, one thing I keep on seeing, and it, it makes it's weird. I find it very odd that um, people write a lot. You know, um, oh, I'm looking for someone who's family orientated, and I'm just like, what the fuck does that even mean? Family orientated. What does it like? What does it mean? Because I have met and dated chicks that have gone, oh yeah, I'm I'm all about family. I'm so family orientated. And then they are an arsehole to their family. Like I some one chick I dated, right? She had a couple of sisters. And they they all worked. They all worked, but their parents paid their rent like paid like for them to go on holiday and shit the parents bankrolled them and the parents retired but because these girls were such such leeches parents had to go back to work motherfucking they were retired son but they had to go back to work because these family orientated girls were dirty leeches so it's like what does that mean you know it's uh, like people throw these titles around and it's just weird because like i think you don't have to have the best relationship with your own family to take care of a family that you might have in the future i don't really feel it's got any sort of correlation you know like, because, you know, if you said, oh, I don't really get on with my family. And people were like, oh, that's so, oh, that, uh, that's terrible. I love my family. And it's just like, you don't know what's gone on with someone else. You don't know. But why do you, like, this is the thing. We learn from mistakes. So what might have happened in someone else's childhood you know the things that meant that they didn't have a great relationship with their parents means that if they had a family they know not to make those same mistakes so it's just it's a it's a weird thing right and um another weird thing right so um i remember i, I was speaking a while back to this one girl and then she then she sent me this message and was just like, oh, you know what? I've I've just reread your profile and I actually I don't think we're gonna be a good match. And I was a bit like What are you I don't understand because we've just been talking and now you're like What's going on here? Not because I was like, oh, I'm really digging this chick. I was, I was just baffled where this weird kind of thing had come from. And, um, yeah, it's just like, because I'm a God-fearing woman and you're an atheist. And I'm just like, the thing that I find so weird about it, it's just, why do you need someone, like, 
you know what I mean? Isn't your God meant to be all loving and caring? So why does it matter if, you know, the person you with believes in this zombie or not? Like, it's just a weird thing that these people that are meant to be all about turning the other cheek and embracing others and blah, blah, blah. They really don't, man. You know what I mean? They're really kind of, whoo, it's all about the Kool-Aid. And if you ain't drinking it, you need to go fuck yourself. So weird. It's It's like so weird. But anyway, I I think I've probably waffled on enough. So let's get on with um today's episode. Got some news, got some reviews, you know, as we do. Alright, so enjoy. Um and people like you know, share with your peoples, like it, leave a review on um itunes that would be golden you know what i mean that would be highly appreciated um yeah and if you want to send a message let me know how you're feeling the episodes the formats all of that hey you you know what i mean do you people all right let's get on with today's episode <sighs> Okay, so there's a lot happening, it seems, this week. And, yeah, I, I, it, it's hard to, um, whoa, I don't know, man. I really don't know sometimes, you know. Like, uh, so Quincy Jones is doing a gig over in the UK. You know, he, he he's playing London, um the O2 Arena, and originally, when this went on sale, I think it was like, at the beginning of the year, it all went on sale, it was billed as, um, world exclusive concert, Quincy Jones presents, off the wall, thriller, bad, you know, so he, he's performing, music from iconic Michael Jackson albums because he worked on those albums, you know? Um and that's what it said on the on the flyer. And they said, look, you know, they mentioned Michael Jackson and all of this. So a new poster has recently been put out. So now, it's just saying, live in concert for the very first time, Quincy Jones presents soundtrack of the 80s, iconic songs and defining albums. So they've taken off, um, you know, the 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 name that because so in big print it was the Michael Jackson album names so now in small print they've got a few albums I guess where they're saying music will be coming from so you've got Rock with You Off the Wall 
Give Me the Night, Thriller, Yay, Mo Be There, Yama Be There, um, Baby Be Mine, PYT, um, Born This, Burn This Disco Out, Baby Come To Me, and a whole heap of other stuff. And, um, yeah, so people are pissed because a lot of people bought tickets that hear those albums exclusively, you know? So now they seem to be like, okay, we'll play a few songs from that, but we're going to, you know what I mean, play more. We're going to really play down the Michael Jackson connection to this gig. And, yeah, so people are like, well, we didn't want that. You know what I mean? We we, we weren't trying to go to that gig. And it's a weird one because it's just like, whose decision was this? This is the weird thing. Whose decision was it to completely change the gig? The what just baffles me right so michael jackson has been accused of doing this stuff and so this is the crazy thing right although everyone thinks he's a dodgy motherfucker right so everyone thinks that you know he hasn't actually ever been found guilty of anything so this is the crazy thing. He's never been found guilty. But, you know, it, it's fair to, for anyone if they say, yo, Mikey, Michael Jackson's a pedo. Don't bring your kids around Michael Jackson. No one is going to, like, have a go at you for saying that. You know, if you were to say something else, like, oh, all, all women are whiny. People be like, yo, what the fuck? You know? But if you say Michael Jackson is a pedo, yeah, yeah, you're right. So there's that, which is weird. And then there's a case of, right, so if Michael Jackson was convicted, say, does that mean all of his music is now pulled out of circulation? That no one can play the music, listen to the music. What's the situation here? You know? Because this music was a huge part of some people's childhood. And just not even childhood, but a period of time for them. You know? They could say... Hey, for for the for these many years, that music had such an influence on me. I know people that always, you know, what I mean, just like, oh yeah, those albums, my favorite albums, blah 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 blah. Does that change? You know, is that meant to change now? This is the question. He's been, he's. There's a lot of evidence. There is a lot of evidence Circumstantial But there's a lot of evidence That would make you think Yeah It's not good And 
people, you know, some kids from back then have come out and said, yes, he did this to me. Now, still there's no proof. There's these kids saying it, but it's a dangerous line when all we're doing is taking someone's word for something. Definitely listen to them. But there needs to be a bit more than just that person did this. That person is this. Because if we go down the line of, yeah, all you need to do is say that. I think we're going to be in a crazy fucking place. But yeah, the question is. what what's, What's people meant to do about Michael Jackson? So you can't go to a gig. Where they're playing his music. You can't go to a gig that is like... Because right now, it's a big thing. The last few years, it's been a big thing for people to play like some of the pivotal albums. All all the songs that night will be from this specific album. So you're saying someone couldn't go, I'm going to play all of Thriller tonight at the Jazz Cafe. Like, so now it seems, yo, this frowned upon, can't do it. And that's a weird fucking thing. Because the music is different from the person. There's a lot of people that have done some, like, great things. You know, recorded some great music or been in some great plays or some great films or written some great books. But the people themselves, they're not great people. Like, Orson Scott Card, he's written Ender's Game, which, you gotta say, is a magnificent book. It is a fantastic book. But, Orson Scott Card himself... I don't know, he's kind of strange. He he he's definitely against homosexuality. You know, and there's a there's a lot going on with him. But that so are we saying no one can ever read Ender's game now? So there needs to be a separation from the artist and their material. Because if there's not, oh, there's a whole heap of films we can no longer watch. There's a whole heap more music we can't watch. There's books we can't read. Yo, this is some dangerous shit. You know? So, hey. I think people need to think and think hard. Where does this stop? You know? Where does it stop? Alright? I really have to have like ah uh, just an irritation just a straight up irritation right now with journalism and the way people try to kind of you know gauge like promote their stories I've, I've i've seen two cases of it in the last week and you know that's just there's a load. These are just two that have stuck to mind. But I come across it all the time with just 
dishonest headings, you know, and they'll try and lead the reader in a certain way, and then at the very bottom of the article, they'll put the true thing in, but it's so far down, and it's written in such a way that people just don't pay attention, and it's just straight up dishonest, you know, I see it a lot on the BBC website, but they're not the only culprits, you know, they're not the only ones, and just pisses me off, because, like, there's no need for it, so, last week, there was the big announcement for, um, Bond 25, Bond 25, I believe, um, I don't think, I think it was just the cast, so they were announcing the cast, and the writers and and all of that. There's no trailer or anything like this, but um, it, you know, the the headline of the story is Phoebe Waller Bridge to make Bond James Bond's women feel real, and like reading it, I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit of a disservice because. You know, like Naomi Harris's Money Penny is a great character with so much more depth than the Money Penny of the uh, Connery Moore era. You know, she's she's a great character, and a lot of the other uh, female characters definitely have more depth than some of the ones that have come before, because don't get me wrong, it definitely was a problem, like, it was just a hot chick who, you know, Bond would fuck, and then they're gone, kind of thing, there's there's nothing else, they're so one-dimensional, they make a fucking penny look like it's got, you know, layers, so, you know, that was a, definitely a case back then, but now it's got a lot better, so, you know, you read it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a bit bad, but then you get, you know, towards the bottom of the article, and Waller Bridge is, says exactly the same thing, says, look, in the last few films, these characters have been great, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm, you know, my job is just maintaining that same quality, but, you know, that's not how the story is, is like, put together, and it's just, why, what's the need for this, you know, what really is the need, I will tell you one weird thing about the, the, the promo picture, like, other than Daniel Craig's expression on his face, like, I think I've shit myself, but I'm not quite sure, you know, he's got that kind of weird expression on his face, but the way they've split the Bond girls up, or not the Bond girls, but the the ladies who will be in this new Bond film, so there's four ladies um, who I guess will be 
like the main protagonists, the f- main female protagonists in the film. I do suspect there will be more than four females appearing in the film. But so out of these main four characters, two are white, two are black. And so with the picture, they put the two white girls on one side of him and the two black on the other. Like there's some sort of fucking segregation. I'm just like, stop doing that, people. It's it's not a good look. It really is not a good look. Because if you could have done it by height, because the two black girls are slightly taller than the white girls, so you could have, you know, one on either side. Would make the that would frame the picture better anyway. But it's like, what are they doing? The, the, you know, this is not the 40s, 50s, 60s. There's no fucking segregation here, you fucking idiots. Like, another, um, I feel, instance of just dishonest journalism was also, there was, so there was a story about James Cameron, um, because, you know, he's the director of Titanic, and at the time... Titanic had a box office, the you know the, the the record box office for um I don't know most tickets or something something there was some sort of record that Titanic held, and Avengers Endgame smashed it the other week. So they've written this piece like Cameron was like gonna be really pissed and especially because you know it it was a comic book film that beat his film and all of this so they've written this piece so all of the first half is about like you know oh this comic book film ugh what a disgrace Cameron must be pissed and then you get down to um you know, you get down further when they actually go, oh yeah, no, Cameron, you know, he's following the line of all directors and producers where when a film breaks their record, they congratulate them, they, they you know, they create some sort of image, congratulate them, uh, and that's it, and so they put that together, and it's just like, because that's what it always is. That's what happens. There's, you know, obviously, people might be pissed, but they keep that behind closed doors. What everyone sees are, you know, them congratulating their peers for the success. So why write a story trying to paint it any other way? It's just fucking weird. And, yo, they need, people need to stop. Like, we need to get back to the proper old school journalism. Not this weird, fucking, vapid bullshit that seems to be polluting everything right now. You know? Because I'm getting tired of it, to be honest. Mad tired of this shit. So I thought this was crazy. Um, Danny Baker got fired from his BBC radio gig 
because he made a joke. Um, yeah. So he had a show on BBC Five Live. And, you know, because there was the whole, you know, royal dropping shit last week. There's, yeah, there's a lot of news stories, right? And a lot of people were throwing out comments and fake bullshit. So Danny Baker sent out a tweet with a picture. And it was, so you had um, the royal couple, or just a couple, I forget. But it was like people holding hands, walking with a chimpanzee that was dressed in human clothes. And he captioned it saying, Royal Baby Leaves Hospital. Right? So it's just a joke. Like, because babies are ugly. Babies aren't cute. You know what I mean? Babies are not cute. Let's just... You know, people are always like, Oh, my baby's so pretty. My baby's... Whatever. You know, I think it is fair to say... If you ask anyone, they will admit begrudgingly that there are a lot of ugly fucking babies out there. So, you know what I mean? To refer to a baby as a, a chimp, E.T., Yoda, you know, Alf, anything like that, it's, it, I think it's fair. It's fair. It, it, it's just tongue-in-cheek. There's no malice in it, you know? But, the you know, BBC... Wanted to go, oh, because Meghan Merkel is, um, you know, mixed race. Her mum's, you know, African-American, right? So because of that, they're now, they're trying to say that having a chimp is like, oh... Obviously, you mean because it's black. It's, you know what I mean, mixed race. It's a mixed race baby. That's what you're saying. And that's offensive to black people because you are trying to go, all right, so any picture of a fucking primate could be, you know, attached, connected to us. What the fuck? That's not true. Like, you you know, people often say, Joe Rogan is a gorilla. You know what I mean? Darren Teal is a gorilla. They're white. So, you know, no one's got an issue with that. So, why straight away jump to the, this is racist, we are not having any of that? It, it, it's just ludicrous. Like, it makes no sense. And I feel, especially in the, the, you know, the climate we have right now, that 
people aren't going to be making any racist remarks against the royal family. It's like, no, don't be stupid, man. You know, that that would just be ludicrous. But, um, yeah, that is exactly, exactly what happened. Which is insane. Um, yeah, there's a quote from the BBC. So they said, um, Baker's tweet goes against the values we as a station aim to embody. Dan is a brilliant broadcaster, but will no longer be presenting a weekly show with us. And, um, like, Baker put out a tweet. Um, was it once again? Sincere apologies for the stupid, unthinking gag pick earlier. Was supposed to be joke about royals v circus animals in posh clothes, but interpreted as about monkeys and race. So, rightly deleted. Royal watching, not my forte. Also guessing it was my turn in the barrel. Now, I, I like, there's a lot of people who are, um, you know, voicing outrage about it. And I'm just, there's so much shit going on in the world. If you are outraged by an image, an image that can be taken in so many ways but you've decided is racist because there's definitely there's shit out there that is just straight up racist you know straight up there's no ambiguity about it and people don't say as much but there's shit that like could mean anything but you have decided oh this is clearly racist this is so disgusting it's a bit like if you have the time for that what the fuck are you doing man why are you looking to be offended you know like, why are you looking for people to lose their jobs? Do you think, oh, this moves me further up the fucking ladder? Now this person isn't there? Because that's a bullshit. I wouldn't want to get somewhere because of that. It's a bit like, how about talking to the person first? And looking at their track record as well. You know, this is one thing that never happens. We don't seem to look at the track record of people. Yeah, you, know, you don't be like, all right, oh yeah, no, they've done, they've been an advocate for this, and you know, their past behavior is this, and blah 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 blah. Yeah, no, they're they're good. That clearly was just just a misjudgment. So what? You know, we'll put out a statement. Maybe we'll suspend them for a week. Whatever, whatever. You know, boom, boom, boom. It's all done. If you look at past behavior and go, oh, they put out so much racist shit over the last year. Nah, that, that, yeah, we see what they're doing. They're done. Boom. It's easy. 
But no one does that. We're just fucking living in this paper thin existence where everyone is looking to be offended. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And trust me, I know what real fucking racism is. You know? So it just irritates me when there's this kind of shit and people are trying to frame it as something else. It's bullshit, man. It's just straight up bullshit. Well, people, if you love sci-fi and film, be prepared to get excited. Because the Sci-Fi London Film Festival has just launched its stellar 19th annual program, which will run from the 15th of May until the 22nd across London with eight days of amazing film, immersive experiences and more. It will showcase a fantastic lineup with four world film premieres, 11 UK film premieres, 11 world short premieres, 13 UK short premieres. It will also host 17 features, 36 shorts, seven VR shorts alongside its regular classic cult events such as the 48-hour film challenge and sci-fi Fido, the world's only cosplay for dogs. Hmm. Opening this year's festival on the 15th of May at the Prince Charles Cinema is the UK premiere of Perfect, a film that sends us tripping into a science fiction world like no other. Directed by Eddie Alcazar, it is unclear if the young man has committed a horrible crime, but his mother sends him to a luxurious retreat full of beautiful hedonistic people for therapy. He will receive an experimental treatment to cure his ills and discover his true self. His mother has been there, but does she want to help him become perfect? Frenetic editing, soul-shocking set pieces and some eye-popping animation. Perfect alternates between calm and chaos and picks at themes of AI genetic engineering and esterism with its super heightened visuals worthy of Glaspano production design that Dazed would find hard to beat and a stunning soundtrack by Flying Lotus. Hmm. And... Closing the festival on the 22nd of May at the Stratford Picture House is the world premiere of The Risen Possession, directed by Matt Mitchell and starring Julian Ryan Tut, Serene Sofar, 
Adrian Edmondson and Sally Phillips. In 1955, NATO and the Allied forces conduct secret occult experiments in a bid to win the arms race. They succeed, but what they unleashed almost tore our world apart and sent a human through a portal to somewhere very alien. This was the story of The Risen, our closing night premiere in 2017. Come forward to now and a group of urban explorers is exploring the abandoned bunker. But will they and a private military unit sent in after them become the final pieces in a 60-year plan to reopen a door that should have stayed closed? Oh, well, that all sounds pretty damn interesting. Um, If you go to the description of the episode, I will post um, the web link for the festival um, so you can find out more information on all the other stuff that's showing and pick up your tickets. Well, people, UFC 237 has just taken place. Um, It was from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Uh, I think it's the first time in Rio this year. Yeah. Uh, It was... Whoa. It was a crazy-ass event. You know what I mean? It was a crazy event. There was was a lot of um, Brazilian fighters on the card. Wasn't the the best of nights. Wasn't the best of nights for them. But... Hey, let's get into that. Uh, you know what? Because it all started so crazy, I think I'm going to start on the early prelims today. And the very first fight, it was um, <clears throat> Talita Bernardo v Vivian Arugu. And... Um, it was Vivian's UFC debut, and she was fighting upper level. You know, she was fighting at oh gosh, um, one hundred thirty-five. I forget what one hundred thirty-five is. Cruiserweight? I think it's cruiserweight, right? She was no, it's band. I think it's bantam. I think she's fighting at, well, 135 anyway. But she's actually 115 a straw weight, you know. But it, she took this fight on short notice. Um, Talita, she's already had a couple of fights in the UFC. So, you know, she's accustomed to the bright lights and all of that. This, this fight, it was insane. It was crazy i th- i think the biggest thing was viviana's movement she was just on her toes like in and out fainting like switching up her movement switching up her attacks and it meant that um talita just couldn't get 
a, a sense of what was going on, couldn't get a sense of direction or anything, and she was coming up short on, you know what I mean, just all her attacks, I think coming in, like towards the end of the second round, you could see that the Vivian was, um, she was slowing down a little bit, which is completely understandable, you know what I mean, taking this fight, I think it was on a, like a week's notice, it was very short notice, so she's taking a fight on short notice, and the amount of movement she was showing, you're like, how long can she keep this up, so towards the end of the second, she's clearly getting a little bit tired, Talita's landing a bit more, third round starts, Vivian's just like, you know what, fuck it, and yo, you just wouldn't know, you just wouldn't know that she was getting tired, because she just picked it up another level, this was a masterful performance, just an incredible debut, you know, and so we're in the third round, It it's getting towards the end of the round, you think, all right, it's going to the judges, nah, 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 Vivian's just like, you know what, I'm gonna round my debut off well, and she KO'd Talita, KO'd her, which was crazy, because um, Talita's corner, no, sorry, it was the beginning, no, yeah, it was the beginning of the third round, yeah, and that's and and that's why it was crazy because so on the stalls, Talita's corner was just like she's getting tired, so her punches won't have any power now. You can walk through her punches. Whoa, yeah, that was the wrong thing to say because Talita got. Oh my god, it was brutal, it was a brutal KO man, and just an incredible debut from Vivian, and I think if she can do that at 135, yo, what the fuck is she gonna do at 115, you know what I mean, you just think about Joanna Juncecek and her movement against Carla Espadza, um, Jessica Penne, you know what I mean, those, uh, like, I mean, not that she doesn't move now still, but remember when you first saw her, and the amount of movement she had, and she just didn't stop, that's Vivian, you know what I mean, so if she drops down to, when she drops down, but she said she's going down to straw weight, so she drops down to straw weight, and she's got that knockout power, whoa, it's gonna get interesting. The strawweight division is crazy right now. So yeah, that was insane. We then had um, ooh, Riano Barcelos against Carlos um, Quiroz. Ah, uh, this was like um. I think, who is it, it's like, so a boxer texts into DC, um, you know, uh, DC, 
Daniel Cormier. Jesus Christ, Kevin. Yeah. So a, a top boxer text Cormier and was like, I've trained with Barcellus. He's got legitimate hands. You know what I mean? He's causing me problems. So, you so you know what I mean? The thinking was that Barcellus was going to have it, you know, standing. But the first round was extremely close. Extremely close. Barcellus, he just couldn't seem to get his range. Um, so, Quiroz was able to counter and land himself. We get into the second round. Uh, and, it, you know, it's a bit similar. But then Barcelos is just like, you know what? Fuck it. So, he took it to the ground. Man. Like, on the ground, Barcelos was just... Whoa. He, he just controlled it. He just owned Corellus on the ground. Just... His control was insane. There's, you know what I mean? He'd, he'd be, he was in half guard. Then he got to mount. Like, Quiles gave him his back. And every time he tried to shake Barcelos off, Barcelos was able to move and pivot his position and just stay in that dominant position. It was, ah, it was so good. So good. You know, just if you think about people like, um, man, Gordon Ryan, the way he can control people on the ground. If you think like Boogie Martinez, you know what I mean? People like that, the way they control people on the ground. That's what Barcelos was doing. And then he, he um, yeah, was able to finish it, TKO, TKO. It's landing a lot of vicious ground and pound. It was a great performance, man. As soon as he got it to the ground, yeah, it was all over. All over, man. We then had Wally Alvarez against Sergio Moraes. Moraes is a, a crazy um, jiu-jitsu, uh, you know what I mean, participant. He He's just so good on the ground. And he, you know, he's great. He's good on his feet as well. Knocked out Ben Saunders with knees. You know, he, he, so he's good. But and Wally Alvarez had been out for a while. But you wouldn't have thought it. Like in the fight, Moraes looked a bigger man. Looked a bigger man. But Alvarez just picked him apart. And I think the problem was Alvarez started off with leg kicks. Moras wasn't checking them. And by the time he was like, oh, I should check him, his legs were already fucked up. Already fucked up. But I have to give him so much props because he stayed in there. He, You know what I mean? He was getting hit. Like, it got to a point where every time he was getting hit with the legs... He was getting spun round. He was wincing. Just audible, like, oh, you know? I, like, and we've seen other fighters just be done, be done a long time before. And, and, and um, you know, we're, we're getting, so we're in the third round. Alvarez is just, you know, Picking Moraes apart. Moraes is still occasionally landing a good punch though. So, you know, it's always just that fault. 
because we've seen it where the guy on the ropes manages to land that one punch and it's all said and done you know so you're just thinking oh can Alvarez stay busy stay moving and just avoid anything coming back at him you know what didn't even go to the judges Alvarez just KO'd Moraes it was a beautiful a beautiful over like I think it was like an over the just like an overhand kind of hook like he hit a leg kick Moraes kind of stumbled then he just came over the top and Moraes was no it was shit my bad uppercut it was an uppercut and it was all over Oh, Moraes hit the ground. He was just, oh, it was another brutal KO, man. And so you just think this this card, the way this card had started was insane. Was insane. We then have um, Luana Carolina making her debut against Priscilla Cachoeira. And Priscilla, like in her first fight, she fought um, Valentino Shevchenko and was, oh, just brutalized, brutalized. Her next fight, she had the the war with Molly McCann. Um, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, that was at the O2. Yeah, she had the war with Molly McCann. And this fight, it was it was crazy because. Like, Carolina was the taller fighter. And so, you know, she has a very upright stance. And when she kind of got hit, she was just kind of, or like punches were thrown. She was kind of just moving her head back. And you were just thinking, oh, you're being, she she needs to be careful. You're just a little missed time and she's going to get Right. Um, so it was insane And she looked very nervous In the first round she looked very nervous She was moving away a lot Because it looked like she wasn't sure How to cope with Cachoeira's pressure Because Cachoeira, like in a fight In the McCain fight, you just saw it She just walks forward You know what I mean? She just eats punches and just walks her opponent down, and that, you know, that's what she was doing, but the thing was, she wasn't cutting Carolina off, so she was just walking her down, but following her around the octagon, you know, so Carolina was able to counter, and as the fight went on, she she kind of got her, um, her equilibrium, she got her octagon legs, and she was starting to put things together, throwing a lot of kicks, and she cracked, oh, Cachoeira, like, I think three times with head kicks, and clean head kicks as well, you know what I mean, they were just crazy kicks, and Cachoeira went down every time, but just got up, just got up her nickname zombie girl it's kind of fitting because she was just eating the damage and coming forward it was insane 
But yeah, Carolina was just able to um, just counter, just counter her. And because she was varying her attack, she was throwing kicks, punches. She threw a few kind of spinning um, back fists. One of them definitely caught Cachoeira clean. So it was that varied attack that, and just the reach. You know what I mean? Carolina's reach was, she had the longer reach. So it was that that was, um, you know, giving her the edge. Like, her punches weren't concussive. So when Cachoeira hit Carolina, you could see they were having an effect. But but Carolina's punches didn't seem to have the same effect on Cachoeira until close to the end of the third round. But. By then, you know, it it was never going to get stopped. It, so it went to decision. And, um, yeah, Carolina, you know, won the fight. Won the fight. Um, I think it was a unanimous decision. And although Cachoeira, she's got crazy heart, you have to wonder how many more fights will she get. You know what I mean? Because she's not winning. She's this is her third straight loss. So it's just like, you know, if she doesn't win her next fight, is she gonna get cut? Like, is she even gonna get cut now? You know, who knows? But crazy heart. Zombie girl has crazy heart, man. We then had um Irene Aldana against Behesh Carrera, um, and you know what, Carrera came in heavy, came in heavy, man, it was meant to be 135, I think Carrera came in like six pounds over, which is insane, and you could see she was like the bigger fighter, which which is just like, uh, I always feel just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well, you know what I mean, because you have to wonder how, you know, was it really, a, like, an an illness or, you know, an issue like that that affected this, or is the fighter just going, look, I want to win, so fuck it, don't care, if I have to hand over a bit of my purse, who cares, I'm, I'm just gonna come in heavy, have more power, have more weight, and I'm win, yeah, fuck it, so, it's, yeah, it's always weird, and you kind of feel, if the player that comes in heavy wins, shouldn't really be a win, it should still, it should always be a no contest, like, you know, the fighter who came in heavy shouldn't benefit from the win, they shouldn't move up in the rankings, you know, it's just, yeah, it's not great, um, Aldana looked, she didn't look as sharp as she has done in her previous fights in the first round, you know, she was throwing, but it was all very predictable, so Carrera was able to counter, which was, like, Aldana was a longer fighter, so Carrera shouldn't be able to counter her and touch her as much as she was. But, 
I think once we got to the second round, Aldana seemed to, um, you know, get back into the flow of things. You know, she found a rhythm and she was kind of alternating her attack. You know, she started to throw more than just one-twos. You know, she was throwing more combinations. These were... um, these were landing and they were having an effect. You know, like she cut Carrera. You know, I mean, she just damaged her face up. It, it was just a bit like, but, you know, it was still close. The fight was still close. Um, but we're in the third round and Aldana, you know, it, it's getting close. I think there was a minute left. Um, Aldana landed some good punches Carrera went down uh, And Aldana like jumped on her Jumped on her to take her back But she's high She was high on the back So it's just like oh Carrera's going to slip out man Carrera's going to slip out And end up on top This This isn't a good look But Aldana She'd sunk in like a reverse triangle and she had um, Carrera's arm. So, it, it, yeah, it was a, a crazy kind of arm lock that she managed to kind of sink in. And a little triangle choke as well. So, uh, yeah, Carrera tapped and Aldana took the win, which... Yeah, oh man, I was so happy about because you know what I mean? Aldana made the way she came in prepared, she came in like she was meant to. So I was pleased that it wasn't in the hands of the judges and that she walked away with the victory. Uh so um yeah, we then moved to the uh yeah, to the uh, to the prelims, the main prelims, and we had BJ Penn against Clay Guida, and Penn, ah, like I think in his last fight against Ryan Hall, Penn had looked the best he has in a long time. You know, looked definitely in shape, looked ready, but he just ca- got caught with that Imanari roll and the heel hook. You know, but. Yeah, it was a bit like, should Penn just call it a day? But no, so he took this fight against Clay Guida. Um, and the first round, Penn looked good. He looked sharp. Man, he was throwing good combinations. He was able to match Guida's, like, pace. Because we know Guida is the friggin' energizer bunny. And, um, yeah, Penn was able to match it, which was great. Second round, no. And the notorious stamina issues started to creep in. Penn just was slowing down, slowing down. Guida caught him with a glancing head kick. And that just seemed to completely just take it all away. From Penn. It's like Penn just didn't seem to have anything left. You know. And he clearly. Just clearly. Just slowed. Like we get into the third round. And. 
like I think Penn was a bit better in the third, but it was still all about Guida, just that relentless, unyielding pace he throws on people, just always bobbing, fainting, moving in, walking you down, you know, and, and since he's been to Alpha Male, Guida has just looked sharper on the defense as well, and um, yeah, he just controlled that third round, and uh, yeah, just just took a clear decision win over Penn, but I've got to say, Guida is so class, so damn classy, because he took Penn down, uh, I think it was the end of the second round, and he got up, and then he helped Penn up, which was just like, you know, that was like a, just a nice little move, and then at the end of the fight, he just hugged Penn, and he just showed crazy respect, you know, and yeah, he just showed mad respect to Penn, and it, it it was just such a classy and great performance from Guida. Yeah, it was just, yeah, all class, all class. But I, I kind of feel Penn should just hang it up, just hang it up, because he hasn't got the stamina. He looked good in the first round, but then that's it. He, he he just I don't know what it is He just can't Can't get the stamina to last him 15 minutes Which is crazy And you kind of feel You know because he's got Like Jason Perillo In his corner So you kind of feel that Penn Is definitely putting in the work So I don't know what it is. Like maybe he needs to see a sports psychiatrist. But kind of feel it's a bit too late. And you know he should bow out now. Without taking just a crazy amount of damage. Because like he, he shouldn't stay in too late. We've seen what it's done to certain people. Like you know he doesn't want to end up like Muhammad Ali. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was it was it, it was tough to watch, man. It was definitely tough to watch. Like you know, other fights were decent. Like Ryan Stan just murked Little Nog. Yeah, just took him apart. And then we got to the main card, man. The main card. So Tiago Alves against. Loreno uh, Starapoli. Um, now the thing with this fight, Starapoli, he was throwing a lot. He was throwing a lot, and you know it, it all looked very fancy, but it it wasn't like he you mean because he was just moving. He wasn't setting his feet, so nothing was landing. With a lot of impact. But the thing was. Even though they weren't stinging. Punches and kicks. He was still. Landing. And he was still busy. 
and he was still moving forward and Alvarez just didn't he just like he just didn't seem to be able to change gears you know it just didn't look like he had it in him in this fight like when the decision was given to Staropoli like Alvarez looked frustrated and looked like he felt that he should have taken it but he just wasn't doing enough he just wasn't doing enough to to warrant the win you know what I mean so yeah he's just just wasn't looking good for the Brazilian fighters so far you know what I mean yeah definitely not looking good at all I mean Coralino is like Oh, and Wally Alvarez. You know what I mean? They won. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, hey, the king of Rio was up next. Jose Aldo against Alex Volkanovski. And, you know what I mean? Uh, Aldo, he, he, he got murked by Connor. Got brutalized by Holloway twice. But. They're the only people he's lost to. You know what I mean? He he um he took out Frankie Edgar twice, Chad Mendes, just the list went on in the amount of people he has beaten. And so you kind of thought like and especially with his form of late, stopping Morocano, stopping Jeremy Stevens. So you're thinking, Aldo, man, he's been looking really good. So is he going to, um, yeah, just turn it on against Volkanovski? Volkanovski's been on a tear. But was this just a level too far for him? Well, ain't the answer was no. Just weird. This was a weird because Aldo clearly looked a bigger fighter but Volkanovski was bullying Aldo you know what I mean it looked like Volkanovski was the stronger fighter in there Volkanovski was the hungry fighter in there and he was just throwing more he was throwing the leg kicks which was insane because Aldo is known for fierce leg kicks. He's kind of moved away from that in his last few fights. But I think the talk was that he was getting back to it for this fight. You know, so you thought he'd be throwing leg kicks, like body punches. You know what I mean? He'd just be tearing it up. But he just didn't seem to change gears. He just didn't seem to have the hunger, which is crazy because you because the, you know the whole thought was if Aldo put on a great performance, like you kind of feel that he he was getting very close to another title fight, you know. Like, he probably wouldn't have got the next one. Because, you know, we've already seen him against Holloway twice. But the thought was possibly a fight against Ortega. 
And if he had won that, I think he would have given him a title fight. You know? So, he had so much to fight for. So much to fight for. Just didn't, just didn't change gears. Just didn't seem to look. Just didn't look on that night. And Volkanovski clearly, clearly took the decision. You know, it's brutal. It was just like, he outclassed Aldo, man. Volkanovski outclassed Aldo and called out Holloway. So it's going to be interesting. You know what I mean? Who's getting Holloway next? Is it going to be Frankie Edgar? Or is it going to be Volkanovski? You know, because you could give Holloway Edgar, Volkanovski Ortega. That would be good. You know what I mean? But who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But whatever happens, we're going to see a sick title fight. Because, hey, the, the people up the top, hey, they're looking good, man. They're looking good. So we're now the co-main event. It's Jared Cantonier against Anderson the Spider Silver. And, um, yeah, you know, I think Silver, he's he's been on a losing streak. In the last fight against um, Israel, he looked, he looked better. Yeah, he looked competitive. He never really... Um, he never seemed to really go for it though, he never really took the fight by the horns and just went for it, but it was definitely a better performance than some of his previous ones, but Jared, he's been on a, he's been on a tear man, he's been on a tear and he's looked ferocious, Look ferocious. So this was an intriguing, intriguing fight. And like the first round, it wasn't very eventful. They were both kind of feeling each other out. Like Cantonier was throwing more leg kicks than Silver, which was interesting. And we were, you know, the first round was coming to a close. Cantonier threw an inside leg kick and Silver's knee just seemed to go. Just, oh, man, it did not look good. Because he just kind of, his leg just went out. Just went out, man. And it's kind of crazy because Silver wasn't blocking the leg kicks. And you kind of feel that after everything he's been through, He'd be blocking the leg kicks. You know what I mean? And especially from Cannoneer, who was the bigger fighter, bigger, stockier, stronger fighter. So you'd think, hey, he wouldn't want to take those leg kicks. So he'd be blocking the kicks. Didn't block the kicks. And oh man, looks like he has fucked his knee. So, um, you know, if you think about how long he was out the last time in the Weidman fight, Silver's 44. So, if if it's a bad knee injury, 
you kind of feel this is probably probably the last time we see Anderson Silva I don't know I don't know it'll be like I don't know I think we'll, we'll know in the next few days like how bad this injury is and I think that will definitely dictate what the spider does with his career you know so it was a bit anticlimactic you know the atmosphere in the arena was just a bit like Ugh. you know it, it wasn't the best but we were coming into the main event Yuri uh so Brazil had the last fighter Jessica Andrade against Rose Nama, Nama, ugh. Nama Nunes, yeah, Fug Rose, you know, and, you know, it's a title fight, so the atmosphere seemed to rise, seemed to get a bit better, because, you know, the crowd had just seen two of their stars, man, lose, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, so it was just like, oh, can the final like pick things up you know can it turn things around and it was a bit like it was weird because Andrade was the favorite she was the favorite coming into this fight but you think of what Nama Nunes has done you know what I mean she's she's been on a tear and she's beat John Jacob twice twice you know like knocked her out, I like knocked her out. She tapped, like whatever it was in the first fight, and then the five round decision in the second fight where she outstruck her. You know, it was a close fight, definitely a close fight, but Rose won it. So it's a bit like, you know, what I mean, can she really be the underdog? Can she really be the underdog, people? And I tell you, that first round, god damn it, Rose was, man, she put on a display. I think what we saw in that first round was the, if someone said, what does a truly great MNI, MNI, a truly great MMA fighter look like. You just got to show them that first round. Because Nama Nunes was a beast. She was just picking Andrade apart. It was crazy. Picking her apart. And, um, yeah, it, it was like... I think it was in the first round. Like, Andrew, no, 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 it wasn't. Zandrade couldn't get close. So she, like, she was battering her. Her eye was just getting cut, just got cut to fuck. Her eye wasn't great. And you're just like, oh my God, if Nana Munez continues like this, I don't know if this fight's going to full five. You know what I mean? Because she was wearing Andrade out. Wearing her out, man. So, second round. Like, 
Rose is still looking insane. But Andrade is managing to get in and close this time. So she's getting in close. And man, she she went to take um she went to take Rose down. But oh my god, like the Rose's defense to the first takedown was crazy because she threw in a Kimura. Threw in a Kimura. So uh, I think Max Sarah would have been just so pleased with that. Because it was crazy. And because she threw in the Kimura. Like Andrade wasn't able to slam her. Because if she'd slammed her. Like Rose. Would have been able to really just sink it in. And possibly tap her. So. That didn't go to plan. But. Andrade managed to get in a second time. So she got in close a second time. She's taking punches, man. She's eating punches. But she gets in. Goes for a second takedown. Goes to pick Rose up. Rose again. Goes for the Kimura. So she's got the Kimura locked up. This time, though, man. Andrade. She moves ahead. She che- moves the side her head is on. And so she rotates Rose and brings her down for the slam. But because Rose is holding on to the Kimura, she's not getting rotated. So when Andrade goes to slam her, where normally she'd be slammed on her back. Yo. Rose got slammed on her head. Slammed on her mother fucking head. It was brutal. So fucking brutal, man. And yo. Herb didn't get in soon enough, man. So then she took, ah, like two, three punches from Andrade. Man, Rose was out. Rose was fucking out. It was insane. It was fucking brutal. Like, it was scary, man. The way she landed on her head was scary. If you think, um, if you think back to uh, um, Robbie Lawler against Justin Gaethje, who is Rose's teammate, Gaethje, man. So you think back to that fight when Lawler slammed Gaethje on his head and you thought that was brutal. Yo, this was so much worse. So much worse. And so much so. Because Justin was able to get back. You know what I mean? He he was wobbly. But he was able to kind of. You know Get back and just hold on. And turn things around. But Rose. She was just out cold. Out cold. It was insane. Insane. And. Yo. Yo. A new strawweight 
champion Jessica Andrade, man. Jessica Andrade won the belt. And the crowd, oh, yo, you wouldn't have thought Aldo and Silver had lost. The crowd was insane. And, man, I have to say, this was needed. This was needed because, yo, they were, crowd weren't having a good night. You know what I mean? Brazil was not having a good night in the octagon. So, with Andrade winning, it just... Man, Sao Paulo went home happy. Luckily, Rose was able to get back to her feet. She was back to her feet. Man, like, but after, you know, they interviewed Andrade, then they interviewed Rose. And I don't know, man. Rose is just like, she is relieved the weight is off her shoulder. So, yo. Who knows if Rose is coming back? Who knows, man? Because it's just like every time you hear her talk, like she just seems happy with a very quiet life. So I don't know. This may be the last time we see Fug Rose in the octagon. But that first round, she was flawless. So, you know. I think she, if, if she wanted, she could probably get an immediate rematch, you know? But who knows? But yeah, this was, hey, it was a good night. There was some great fights, man. Some great fights. So yeah, that was UFC 237. Um, The last card of May is next week. So be back with another Another review of next week's fights, man. So, yeah, people, enjoy. So, it's kind of weird because, you know what, sometimes, people, I have no clue what I want to watch. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I throw on something and I think, oh, I'll do that. And then I'm just like, I am not in the mood. Or it's just bad. It's just bad. Like, I put on Star Trek Discovery the other week. And I liked season one. I thought it was pretty, it's pretty solid. There was stuff in there that irritated me. You know what I mean? But hey, all in all, it was solid. I was looking forward to two. Put it on. I watched. Oh, I think three, four episodes. I had to tap out. It. It just. I hated it. Hated. It so much, god damn it! And so you know what I mean. I'm I, I'm not gonna watch it all just to review it. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, it's not gonna be a constructive review. Because I, if, if you hate something so much, there's like, what's the point? You always look for the bright side in something because you know that just because you don't like it, other people might like it, but. Still, come on, there's a line, right? So I'm looking for something that I'm interested in and that I want to watch. I was, um, god damn it, I think it was on Instagram. Mark Marin had a post, I checked it out, and he was just like, yo, 
Easy season three is dropping. And I was like, oh shit. Easy. It, it then it's a Netflix series. Um so the other day season three dropped, which is its last, which is such a damn shame. And um it started in 2016. I watched season one, loved it. It was then like a year and a half before season two came, which was just like, I didn't think it was coming. Then all of a sudden we got season two, which was gravy. But it's one of those shows that is so good. You kind of want to watch it with someone else. You know what I mean? Shared experience. So I put it on hold for a minute. Um, But then I was talking to a friend um, today. Yeah, no, fuck, today, I was talking to a friend today, and um, we're just talking about the um, the perception of love, and how we kind of view it, and the need for seeing different interpretations and iterations of it, because, you know, you usually just see one type of love story on TV between the same type of people and I was just and that made me think and I was like yo you know what there are different different interpretations there are different stories you just need to know where to find them and there's a great series on Netflix called Easy and then I was like yo Freeze out, I haven't watched two. Let's just re-watch this motherfucker from the giddy up, right? So <clears throat> in a long-winded roundabout way, people, I just watched season one of Easy. And yeah, it's great, man. So it is um written, directed, edited, and produced by Joe Swanberg <clears throat> and um, season one consists of eight episodes they're just 30 minutes each and the series is all based in Chicago yep all based in Chicago so um, <clears throat> oh my apologies Okay, so basically, this you know this is 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 a it's a it's a series that follows different couples in their respective forms of relationship exploration, um, and each episode follows separate pairs that come across and cross paths with other characters. Right, you know what I mean? So, alright, let me just... You've got a whole heap of people, right? And you, each episode you have your main protagonists. And then there are certain characters that will appear in one episode. As like a friend or a therapist or something like that. 
And then that character, that side character from one episode might be the protagonist in another episode. And sometimes you'll just see someone just crop up, just a, like a little walkthrough or something like that. So it gives you the, 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 the understanding that these people, they're all living in Chicago. They're all living in the same area. And they might kind of run across each other, but it's not like, oh, that's that person, and that person is this, and blah, blah, blah. It's just like a walkthrough, or a, you know, they run a shop, and you walk in, be like, yo, can I have some eggs? Boom, you're out. And so it does give you that kind of community sense, that kind of shared universe vibe, you know? Which is great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so, um, you know, it's funny because the first two episodes of season one, they really do kind of have a similar theme. So episode one is the fucking study. And so we've got a... a a couple, and they've been married for, like, 15 years, a long-ass time, and, um, in, in it, so it's Andy and Carl, and they've kind of reversed the traditional roles, so Carl is an actor and a writer, so they decided that he can stay at home and look after their two kids and write his play and and do gigs and, you know, get acting gigs and that kind of stuff. And Andy would get a corporate job and work like that. And they've gone to a party and they're talking in this party about like, um, one of their friends is just like, yo, I've, I've come across this study, and it's talking about if, if people kind of swap the traditional roles in a relationship, those people have left sex, so it becomes this kind of thing, and Carl's freaking out, because they're like, because in their actual relationship, they're having less sex, but it's like them becoming this big kind of issue to him, but whenever there's the opportunity for sex, he's all like, oh, I, you know, I was just doing, and but and there's like an excuse not to do it, and that kind of thing, you know, like Andy, like, basically puts a pussy in his face, and he's just like, oh yeah, I've seen it before, and it's just like, god damn it, son, if a pussy's in your face, treat it like a all-you-can-eat buffet, and you're coming back for seconds, thirds, fourths, you know what I mean? It's like in the army, you never leave a pussy behind. But, so you have these situations, and, yeah, it, it, it's kind of, you know, so the, the fires are going down, 
and they're looking for ways to kind of reignite things and you kind of then realize that look if you're gonna force shit it's just not gonna happen and it's only gonna happen if you just embrace who you are you know what I mean like it doesn't have to be, you I mean, if you're not that person, it doesn't have to be candles, music, you know, or, or it doesn't have to be, like, sexy outfits, it, you just have to go with who you are, and what you are as a couple, and you just work on that shit, don't take shit for granted, you know what I mean? And that was like the kind of message in that episode, which was kind of nice, you know. Then um, episode two, we've got Chase. Uh, there's these two girls, Chase and Joe, and they're um they've gone to this gig. They've gone to the gig separately, and they they just kind of end up kind of standing near each other. And they're looking over and they're like, oh, you can see with their eyes, they're talking. You know what I mean? They, this isn't them talking, but their eyes are talking and they're looking and they'll be like, yo, she's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what I want to do with her. And that's what their eyes are saying. You know what I mean? They're not saying it. Their eyes are talking to each other. Which always bugs me. Always bugs me. Because you know what I mean? you 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 see those scenes, and people they walk into the room and they look up and their eyes lock with someone else, and it's just like, oh my god, they're the person for me, and then they end up together and it's amazing, blah blah blah. What happens if you got bad motherfucking eyesight? That's what I want to know. You know what I mean? What happens then? Because you're not crossing eyes with someone, uh, uh, you know what I mean, at the other side of the room. You're not crossing eyes with someone uh, like a centimeter in fucking front of you, to be honest. So you could walk into a place, some chicks at the back, or you know what I mean, if you like do some dudes at the back. You're looking in that direction. They're thinking you just locked eyes with them. You can't even see that they're there, let alone that they're looking at you. So then they're just waiting for you to come over. You never come over. Or you're walking in their direction. They're like, oh, shit, it's about to go off. Man, yeah, whoa, I can't. Why is that motherfucker walk past me? What the fuck is got? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think a show needs to talk about that. That's what I think. But I digress. So their eyes have been talking to each other. Then we cut to them getting hot and fresh at one of their places. And and it's gravy, man. And they're, and they're like, oh, they're really in it. They're really digging each other. But Joe is a vegan. And Joe rides a bike and a pedal bike, push bike. Is it a push bike or a pedal bike? But a bike bike, not a motorbike. You know what I mean? 
one of them. So she's got one of those. And she does all this stuff and she campaigns and volunteers. But Chase doesn't. Um, And so Chase is a bit like, oh yeah, I've been thinking about going vegan. And, it, and it's one of those things that, you know what I mean? You get into a relationship and you're like, the person says they're into something or they do something. And you know it's something that is kind of in the zeitgeist, is something that people are talking about, you know what I mean, it's something that's kind of important, and it means something, but you're not really doing it, so you might go, yeah, no, I'm down with that, yeah, I'm, I'm believing, yeah, no, for real, yeah, that's all me, baby, that's all me, and you try and put on this front that you're down with the things that they're down with, and then you kind of, yeah, you get into this weird situation and you're trying to be like what you think they want. And so this is going on. And even if, say, the other person, they haven't said, I want you to become vegan. I want you to ride a bike. I want you to volunteer. I want you to do this. But they talk about it a lot. They're, you know what I mean, and so you know they're in this, so it's a bit like you you kind of then think, oh, if I'm not down with this, they won't be down with me, and so you're changing who you are, and it's and it, and it gets and there's things that you like, but then there's things you're like, but I don't like that part of it. You know, riding a bike is cool, veganism kind of sucks ass, but fuck it, I'm gonna do it, but then the thing with this episode was, then there's a realisation that, look, I can't do all of this, and then the other one's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't want you to do it, I didn't expect you to do it, I'm sorry, because I might have kind of led you down this path, and then it was just like, yo, let's just be us, and then, you know what I mean, so then they're more comfortable, and they're being themselves around each other, and they're like, yo, we like ourselves as ourselves in this relationship, and it was nice, because it's that you don't need to be someone else, you know, you you can be yourself and still care about people and still be in a a, a a situation with someone different to you which is definitely I think a big thing because like if you look on dating websites and all of that right now and you just hear people talk it's just like I don't want to date someone who has a different opinion to me you know what I mean and it's a bit like that's kind of crazy, because you only want to date a, or be around a carbon copy of you, but you see people and they're like, oh, I'm Labour, I don't want to date a, t a conservative, and it's a bit like, just, if you just put it down to the bare basics like that, that's a bit, that's weird, because I bet, I bet, that you both share the same opinion on a lot of shit.
but you you know what I mean just because your ideologies don't come together all the way down the path they'll come together in a lot of places but you're saying I don't want to date anyone who is this which I just find weird you know because you're missing out you're missing out on so many different viewpoints and experiences because you're only after someone who thinks like you is into the same things as you and that's what you see a lot of people on that shit right now so I think you know this this episode vegan cinderella it was just a great example that two people can you know what i mean connect can come together even though they have differing ideologies on just some things you know what i mean so that's great episode 3 was called Brewery Brothers, and this was, um, well, it, it was essentially there's two friends, right, and it seems that they've kind of lost touch a little bit, you know what I mean, I, you get the impression they, they, they still hang out, they're still kind of close, but they don't hang out and do things like they used to. So we have these two, and they've they're kind of reconnecting, getting back to the old days. Now, one of them, um, who's played by Evan Jonekit, probably not, but hey, um, he's married to uh, Aya Cash and they're having a baby so we've also got this relationship and then you've got his friend who's played by Dave Franco and his girlfriend who's played by Zazie Beats and what we're seeing here so you've got the two friends reconnecting You've got one of them and his wife is having a baby. And they're perceived as a bit more uptight, a bit more kind of regimented. Then we've got the Dave Franco um, and Zazie Beats relationship. And they're more loose. They're more easygoing. They're chilled. Like, she's got a band, he's, um, you know, got a little kind of brewery that he's trying to, you know, do something with. He's, I'm not sure the shop he works in, but it's all kind of free, loose, a little hippie, that kind of thing. So we're seeing these two, these, these, ooh, yeah, three different kind of forms of relationship and love here. And essentially, like, I feel what we're seeing, because a lot is happening, you know. So the friends decide to start an illegal brewery, you know. So you've got that, but then, you know, 
yeah it's it's like you don't want to say too much and completely uh give the whole episode away but you have this going on and you see the impacts of certain actions all the way around right and what i feel essentially this episode is telling us is hey everything stems from a communication you know and perception isn't always the truth like you can perceive something doesn't mean you're right you know because like what you're seeing is tainted by just more preconceived notions that you have you know and maybe it's things that you've there's also stuff in there that you've forgotten or um you know you i think you might have been with someone for such a long time that you forget about how things used to be and so i think the realization is hey if we just say look this is what i want to do or you know i'm interested in this what do you think about this you know if you talk you can avoid trouble and you can realize that you're still both on the same path you know even if you thought the other wasn't hey they were you just never asked them you know so I thought that was an interesting take especially after the first two episodes the fourth episode um, controlada, Contr- controlada. I forget, man, because like I watched this in 2016 originally. I forgot about this episode and the fact it was all bloody well subtitled. Ugh, took a lot longer than the other episodes. There was a lot of pausing, a lot of rewinding very frustrating but you know interesting so we're dealing with um gabrielle and bernard uh so they're a couple and an old friend martin comes to stay with them and this is a completely different dynamic Oh man, yeah, it's a completely different dynamic and it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because I think what we're seeing here is a relationship that stems from comfortability and security. You know what I mean? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that as long as that's what you really want. You know what I mean? Because it's just like it could be fine for a minute, but eventually are you going to get tired if that's not really you? You know? 
So we're seeing that. And then we also see the other side of things. You know, the repression and um, some jealousy and the want for, I feel kind of what someone used to be. You know, their past selves and that relationship, that love. So it's it's a yeah. It's definitely a, a, a probably a little more daring episode than any that we've seen so far, because it's it's really kind of taking things to a different direction. You know, we're seeing stuff that's not necessarily great. Not necessarily how you would want them to be. But the reality is this shit happens. You know? This shit happens. So it's going to be interesting to see this in the future seasons. How things kind of play out. But yeah. Episode 4 definitely different episode 5 is interesting because it's stealing with something a little more kind of complex when it comes to relationships and it's kind of also looking at the relationships we have with people around us so like friends and associates colleagues you know that sort of thing it follows um jacob malco who's played by mark maron who's a comic book writer and artist and he's been putting out graphic novels that are based on his life experiences and so, you know, he, because they're based on his life, there's pe- people he's had relationships with who aren't very happy with being portrayed in them. And so, like, the first graphic novel we put out was a big hit. The second one, second one was successful as well, but it it, it, it showed him kind of, cheating so I think people started to kind of feel a bit reticent towards him then it seems there's a big gap and he's just put out his third story but um because he's been out the game for a while he's not getting the same attention as he was and we're kind of looking at him trying to navigate this. He also bumps into a um, a grad student <clears throat> who's played by Emily Ratajanski. Um, and we're looking at 
their interactions as well. Because Emily, she, um, it's like she kind of captures her story using photographs. So she believes it's the same as Jacob's, where he's telling the story through a, um, you know, a conventional narrative within his graphic novels. You know, she's just having these one-shot photos that kind of depict things. But there's no more information. So it's like you then have to kind of gauge the story from that. So she's using this medium to kind of go, these are my experiences. And so it's the clash between the two different styles. And so, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting episode. But, yeah, it, it's... <clears throat> although it's dealing with their interaction, their relationship, it's also really dealing with, um, you know, our outside interactions. Episode six. <clears throat> um, oh, so episode five is called Art and Life. Episode six is called Utopia. And... Um, We've got a married couple, Tom and Lucy, played by Orlando Bloom and Malin Ackerman. And I have to say, this is probably one of Orlando Bloom's best performances in a long while. Yeah, he actually kind of acts a little over the top in places, but he does act. So, yeah. Uh, that was good to see. Um, <clears throat> and because Tom and Lucy have been together for a long ass time. They've got a baby. They're seeing how like people they know are um, venturing in the uh, the dating sphere. You know, like they're being told about Tinder. Which is kind of blowing their minds, you know. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're very intrigued by the notion. And so it's, it's kind of a story about that, about them going on this journey and the experience they have. It's a journey together. So it's the experience they have together. And, um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's with someone, they they end up doing it with someone they know. So it's this kind of chemistry and, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, you, you have to kind of wonder, like, it probably never plays out how it's depicted here. <clears throat> but it was still um, an interesting take on it. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely an interesting take, especially, you know, because they've got the baby and just trying to make it all work, but, um, 
probably one of the uh, hottest episodes a lot of passion in this episode for sure and um yeah it's funny because you know i i i man i keep on saying you know jeez new words scott new words but um yeah it's funny because like i i, I think we've seen kate mikuki uh you know she's been in the bing bang theory um She's been in uh, Garfunkel and Oats, which is great. I wish there was another season of that. So it it was definitely, definitely kind of shocking and interesting to see her in in a role that we've not seen her in before. I don't think. I can't think of seeing her, you know, play a character like Annie before. So, yeah. It was, you know, again, we're looking at relationships, and with this, it's being comfortable enough within your relationship that you can introduce a third player. You know, you can experiment because you you love each other, you trust each other, so. Yeah, I think that's another important, valid kind of thing to show. So, um, you know, we're seeing so many different facets of love, which is good, really good. But um, yeah, it is. You know, it's it's very good quality work. So, episode seven chemistry read this one although it kind of has one main protagonist Sophie it kind of has two because we're also looking a lot at Annabelle who um we met in episode five with Mark Marin, Art and Life. So, yeah, this episode, it's it's looking at them both from a perspective of being single. Sophie is newly single, and Annabelle, I think you kind of get the impression she's been single for a while. And so it's looking at how they both perceive it. Like you, it's crazy because they're having these conversations and Sophie has the kind of, oh, this is great. I can find myself. And Annabelle, when she's talking to Sophie about it, it's like she has this haunted expression. This like, it's lonely. You know, which really does seem to hit you. Just like she's not saying it in words, but it's just the body language. It, it It's her demeanor. It's just, you know, what I mean, the expressions on her face. It's just like she's missing something. And I mean, this was touched upon in episode five as well. 
because she makes the proposition to Mark, um, well, Jacob. Um, so yeah, it, so we're, we're dealing with that. And it's interesting to see how they're both navigating things. And it does seem that um I don't know there's an interesting twist I'm not I was going to say but but actually thinking about it no because I think this plays very heavily into this episode but it's very interesting the way it unfolds and the way it ends which I think is very good um but yeah I like I liked the way the episode you know I I like the way it's looking at the older and the younger and and using that to kind of show like a different understanding of the situation you know and then we've also got them like on date and 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 talking to people and and it's all that so it's very i mean all the episodes are very layered it's not just one dimension really which you know especially is the fact with episode eight the last episode hop dreams so this is a continuation of episode three brew brothers um so uh one thing I did miss yeah I, I I missed it. I don't know how I missed it, but um yeah, I did seem to to do that. But um Dave Franco's character and Evan Junkett's character, Jason and Matt, they're actually brothers. So it's not friends, but yeah, there, there was definitely that kind of you know they they'd kind of fallen off a little bit and they're kind of refinding themselves. But in this episode, it's things are getting trickier. Things are definitely getting trickier for them and their illegal brewery. And it's all the kind of, should we take the next step? And they're trying to debate this. And it's the relationship they have, which is really getting tested here. Because, you know, Matt wants them to do one thing. Jason wants to do something else. So you've got that. Then you've got... um. Zazie Beats character Noel, who then discovers something, and the interesting thing is that where at the beginning, you know, Matt and Sherry are are kind of looked at as the uptight couple, the couple that could be in a bit of danger. We, um, yeah, things are left in a completely different place. And 
this is all coming from the relationships so it's how you perceive your relationship and what happens when that dynamic is altered you know like what happens then and that's the big thing with this episode it's like yo things have shifted so does that change who we are and we uh it's just left on this really kind of poignant note which is like ooh so yeah looking forward to checking out season 2 but the one thing that you notice throughout these eight episodes and this was the reason why i recommended this series to my friend it's the the you know what i mean the all the different faces of love that we're looking at and relationships that we're looking at and the diversity of it you know we're not seeing just white couples we're seeing mixed race couples you know we're seeing gay couples we're seeing old couples you know which is great it's not just like um couples that are like you know looking like models you know with like tom and lucy we we've got couples of all different sizes and shapes and that is i think the magic of this series that anyone can see themselves in it you know or anyone can see a situation that kind of resembles their own i feel so you know it it's a show that takes this age old concept and really kind of flips it and makes it accessible to everyone because you know like i think yes four weddings and a funeral is a good film notting hill is a good film but it's just like we you know i i will look at that film and go mm, i don't see myself in that film you know it's like i love about time but the characters don't really resemble me so although you know i love it and and the thing is the characters don't resemble me, but I can see myself doing some of the situations, you know? So that's fine. Look, for it, we, the one thing with me, with TV programs and stuff like this, I don't think you have to go, okay, right, so this percentage has to be black, this percentage has to be Chinese, oh, we've got to put this percentage of gay in there. It doesn't have to be by prescription. You know, I can watch a program that's just Chinese and go, hey, I can see how that relates. That's a great story, you know. The the, the one thing, though, it is nice just to have a few programs that change things up, that have that diversity to them. So, yeah, I'm not asking for, like, 
50-50, I'm not asking for, I'm just, all I feel, we just need a few great examples, and those great examples should be promoted, should be given a fair shake, you know, and then I think over time, we're going to see more and more and more, and A, easy is a great representation of the new breed of show. That's what I feel. Um, yeah, and hopefully a lot of people have watched season one, or at least started it, and, you know, have the intention of going back to it. That would be great. But, uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly recommend it. You know, look, if you are a fan of shit like um, 500 Days of Summer, About Time, Dope, man, like, oh, sorry to bother you. If you're a fan of kind of quirky, weird things that show different types of relationship, you will love this. For real. And it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. So it ain't going anywhere people. Watch it at your own leisure. Alright. So over the next few weeks. We're going to hit season 2. And season 3. And those ones. Haven't even watched. So yeah. That's all gravy. You know what I mean. Alright. I'm out. Well, you know what? This week, I thought to myself, it's time to complete the trilogy. Yes, people, that's right. Holy Sister finally came onto Audible. <sighs> I did, like it was meant to have been out a while back. I have no clue why why the date kept on getting pushed back. But yes, it's finally out. So I finally got to read it um, And here is the blurb They came against her as a child Now they face the woman The ice is advancing The corridor narrowing And the empire is under siege From the Skiffral In the east And the Derns in the west Everywhere the empire's armies are in retreat. Nona faces the final challenges that must be overcome if she is to become a full sister in the order of her choice. But it seems unlikely that Nona and her friends will have time to earn a nun's habit before war is on their doorstep. Even a warrior like Nona cannot hope to turn the tide of war. The ship hearts offer strength that she might use to protect those she loves. But it's a power that corrupts. A final battle is coming in which she will in which she will be torn between friends, unable to save them all. A battle in which her own demons will try to unmake her. A battle in which hearts will be broken, lovers lost, thrones burned. 
Holy Sister completes the Book of the Ancestor trilogy that began with Red Sister and Grey Sister, a groundbreaking series. It has established Mark Lawrence as one of the most exciting new voices in modern speculative fiction. Well, I have to say, I don't believe that last part, you know, because I feel that, you know, Lawrence is already known for his um he his broken empire series and the red queen series both of which tremendous you know if if you've enjoyed the book of ancestors i would say definitely go cop those other two trilogies because they're great you know, um, back to Holy Sister. You know, it's narrated like the others by Heather O'Neill. And, um, oh, this is great. Because, you know, in the very first book in Red Sister, the way it starts, we're kind of like, wait, what? And we never kind of get back to it. In Grey Sister, you feel kind of think you've dealt with it but you haven't and and this book red sister no sorry holy sister it finally connects everything together which you know what i mean that's some great writing there you know being able to kind of start it at the beginning and not get back to it until the very end, you know, being able to tie everything up, and, you know, I really enjoyed that, and I I think there's a lot of different little twists in this book, there's one that I have to say, I don't know, I don't know if it's just me, I kind of saw it coming, and I, but I was intrigued to how to reintroduce reintroduction would be you know yeah it's all it's all very well crafted it does remind me of um shit what's the second um ah the second june book um june messiah that's it, June Messiah, and you, you, I just remember, because the story's building, 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 and it's a very, it's not a big book, it's not a big book at all, and you're like, how is this going to tie everything up, and then it's just the last few pages were like a domino's effect, you know, so just suddenly every single thing fell into place, all the threads made sense, it was just great, and Holy Sister does kind of remind me of that, because it's just the way everything kind of fit together, because we're seeing certain things happen, and you're like, wait, but how will that get us to this, you know, like, I don't understand, all right, so, Okay, so she's going to take a habit. What's he going to take? You know, like, oh no, Thingy's dying? 
what how but then there's all these other things that you know like how did thingy get a key like what up with marcus man yeah so there's these little bits while everything's unfolding that we we never get to the bottom of which is a shame because i am very intrigued about you know those points but oh man yeah i think it is it is definitely gratifying how you know we we kind of tie things up and we we see kind of nonna's full journey although you know there's like towards the end you do wonder it's just like will she hmm i get that also pay good attention because at the towards the end there's a little nod to lawrence's one of lawrence's other books which um yeah i thought that was a little exciting man when you hear that you're like did he just say interesting so that was cool but uh you know i i i i I do believe right we have a lot of people and they're writing and it's not new ideas right and even the way they're writing because you know okay so there's only so many ideas fine i can i can deal with that concept but i i think you can't just be just overly predictable in everything that you're doing you know you can pull the curtain aside on a couple of bits within your story i feel but I don't think everything should be obvious. I think you should leave the reader with surprises. And um, yeah, I've read a few books recently that just don't do that. You know, like you you know what literally what's going to happen from the giddy up. But with Lawrence, there's some great surprises in this. Some really good ones. And things that make you just like, I didn't see that, didn't see it at all, you know, so there's like some great moments, and then it's just like, um, you know, I let her go, and I was like, oh, god damn it, oh, like the visual of that would be incredible, Um. so yeah, look. I highly recommend this trilogy. It's it's a great story, really interesting, and um, it's just written so well, you know. Because I think you kind of understand where the story, you know, is essentially it's not overly long. But the way it's being chopped up, the way you're being told and narrated everything, it it, it in, 
encompasses you know free books and it does it well at no point I feel you think ah, this is just padding let me just get to this point you know everything is interesting all the different like threads that are we everything is compelling to you and um yeah, you you aren't let down with the end. This is another great trilogy from Mark Lawrence. And um, can't wait to the next one. Well, I mean, the next one is out. Um, well, the first book won. Um, oh, my gosh. What's it? It's a one kill. One kill world. Oh, my memory, man, is so bad. But, uh, one word, one word kill. That's the one. One word kill. So, um, yeah, looking forward to, uh, getting to that once it's complete. So, yeah, people, check out the Book of Ancestors trilogy. You know, and if you enjoy it, check out the other two trilogies because you won't be disappointed trust me okay people so i hope you've enjoyed this episode hey you know what something that i forgot to mention another aspect of easy that i really enjoyed every episode had a new um like design for the um easy logo and screenshot so that was good and it kind of reflected the nature of the episode so um yeah it, it was just something kind of just it, just a small little touch you know but it, it but it really um i think it really added to um the episode so yeah um all right let's do a bit of news and then we are going to bounce um all right so um funny it's kind of crazy because i remember people were talking about both series when they first came and they seem to come exactly the same time but Empire is ending with its upcoming SIP season, and so is Power. Um, but the thing with Power, which also SIP season, but um, it's one of its co-showrunners, Courtney A. Kemp, has um, dropped some hints that maybe some other shows set in the same universe following some of the characters from power are um currently in development but uh yeah who knows right we'll uh, we'll see how that um develops uh so um right now the twilight zone jordan peele's like re um imagining of the series that's um yeah that's currently airing and um 
he uh, sent out word the other day that um, all the current episodes of this season are going to be made available in black and white. So that is because, you know, the original series aired in black and white. So, yeah, they decided to um, kind of invoke that feeling and make this season black and white. You know, it'd be interesting to see if it actually works. But, um, hey, people, you can be the judge because it will be available, CBS All Access, starting the 30th of May. Um, Alright, so uh, Ed Zwick is going to be directing the first episode of a new network se- net ugh, a new Netflix series called Away, uh, and it's going to be starring Hilary Swank. Um, Swank is playing an American astronaut who must leave her husband and teenage daughter to command an international space crew embarking upon a treacherous mission to. Mars. Um, it's based loosely upon an Esquire article by Chris Jones. So, um, no word on when this will be um, hitting the screen. Um, but yeah, I imagine it will probably crop up before the end of the year. Um, also, we have, um, and it's the last bit of news this week, but oh, I was so happy about this too. ABC has picked up and sent to a series an adaptation of Greg Rucker's fantastic comic book series stump town it's ah uh, it, it so it's come it, blah, blah, it's out via um only press yeah who i believe is now called polarity because i think they just merged with lion forge but um anyway this series called stump town it's incredible it's amazing i love it the um, story uh, follows um, assertive, sharp-witted army veteran Dex Paris, Par- Parios, who has a complicated love life, gambling debt, and a brother to take care of in Portland. Her military intelligence skills make her a great PI, but her unapologetic style puts her in the firing line of hardcore criminals and not quite in alliance with the police. The series will also be starring Kobe Smudders, who um, people probably know from um, How I Met Your Mother and uh, the MCU, you know? So, um, 
Yeah, great news. The comic book series has had three volumes, two miniseries, and an ongoing. So, hey, if you haven't read it, people, I highly recommend you go check it out because it's fantastic. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to this new ABC um, adaptation of it. All right, well, that is us um, for the episode for another week. But, people, um, remember, Sci-Fi London has started, so I highly recommend you go check out their great selection of sci-fi films. It's running from today, the 15th, all the way to the 22nd. Um, there's going to be a whole load of premieres. It's um, over two sites. The Prince Charles Cinema um, by Leicester Square. And Stratford East Picture House in Stratford. So yeah, check that out. And I'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of Echoes from the Void. Take it easy and I'll see you then. Peace.